0: This is EdTech Weekly. I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and I'm very happy to say that Matt is back with me today. Matt, we are going to kick off the show with our second listener voicemail, and I thought it was important for you to be here to respond for reasons you'll find out in a moment. Are you ready to listen to it? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's do it. Hi, EdTech Weekly.
1: This is your loyal listener, Meredith, calling you back. Um... Sorry, I took a few weeks off around the holidays. I had myself a second baby and just had too much going on to be listening. But I am catching up now in the new year and really enjoying the content. Matt was quite funny this week, which is maybe a first.
0: (laughs) But um, keep it up and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Matt. So do you have an official response for this caller? Meredith, I value your opinion. And
1: I hope one day we meet each other once more and we can discuss things further. Um, these are her. These, these are hurtful notes.
0: Awfully it's big fine. of you, Matt. Uh, I like that. She did say you were funny, though, so that's good. Yeah. Well, the context was, maybe not so much, but
1: it was a backhanded compliment at best.
0: We're just happy that we have a listener that calls in, and if anybody wants to call into the show, 92 tech two. Three zero five tech 2 We will play your voicemail, and I think Matt's offer probably still stands that he'll sing some sort of a jingle for you, so we will solicit advertising, and we'll play it. Just give us a call. We'll do it. We are not ashamed to admit it. Come at me. Yeah, exactly. All right, Matt, well, let's get into our first story. NPR reports how limited internet access can subtract from kids' education sounds pretty obvious, I guess, in a way there, but a couple of interesting things from this article for me. Um, first is that many of the internet access programs that are sort of meant to bring internet to those who can't afford it only offer a wired option, which some may say, okay, that's, but still, it's still an option and it is, but it's not helpful if a lot of those devices at home or if all the devices at home are mobile, um, even like an iPad, for example, no real way to plug that into the uh, internet. Um, for some of us, obviously, I think you know, oh well, just get a wireless router, and but you know that does require money, which obviously these people are struggling with, and also it does require some degree of technology to set up. Um, I'm not going to give myself too many kudos that I was able to do it myself, Matt, but it is not the easiest thing for somebody who's not at all tech-savvy or doesn't understand the internet or technology at all. Would you agree? No, absolutely. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little bit better about myself. So. Another thing about this, about around 10% of the families below that poverty line have no internet access at all at home. And then another 8% on top of that have only dial-up access. So, you know, the bottom 18% there is looking at either not having internet or only having dial-up, which really, I mean, I remember dial-up and it was not a fun time. I'm sure it's better than it used to be, but it's still not great. And so about a third of those total families below the poverty line also only have mobile access. And I thought the whole article did a really good job highlighting these factors and talk about how equal access really isn't that equal for lower income families, something to definitely check out. And other thing I thought was interesting was they mentioned talking about how actively searching and learning for things on your own as we are all sort of want to do on the internet from time to time is a lot more difficult on a mobile device. And I'm gonna agree with that statement based on how I do this because I rarely find myself following, you know, step after step to learn things on my mobile device because it gets kind of be a pain. I'd like to have multiple tabs open and on, the, on a mobile device it's just not as easy, especially on a cell phone. So I think you maybe do miss out a lot on that. I want to learn something and how do I get there? And if all you have is a mobile device, I think you're sort of taking that away from those uh, students as well who don't have, you know, a computer to get on the internet with. Matt, do you have thoughts on this article?
1: Um, yeah, it actually reminds me of an article that was done um, a couple of years ago by NPR uh, talking about Oklahoma and their VPAK, VPK program. And essentially the whole idea was um, they didn't want to give away free VPK and they asked a bunch of business leaders in the areas what, what what's the, kind of the biggest thing that you guys need um, to have happen to build in a better workforce um, for you? and they all advocated for free VPK. By getting people educated at an earlier age and then giving them better access to educational tools, they were able to create a better and smarter workforce that was able to help, you know, work with them in the industries that they were um, in. You know, oil being huge out in Oklahoma had a lot to do with mathematics and stuff like that.
0: Interesting. So I guess what you're saying there sort of is, you know, we're just... At this point, we're not really doing enough in terms of Internet access. We need to be doing more to sort of bring Internet access to as many people as we possibly can.
1: Yeah, I think once businesses sort of start having a larger voice in the game, um, right now everybody kind of takes Internet access you know, for granted. Everybody does have access. You know, I know that there are people that don't have access at home, but there's a lot of access that comes from phones and stuff like that. But there really is a disparity between um, someone who's grown up only using a mobile device and someone who's used a desktop before and how they can perform in business. Once we start seeing the after effects of that after the next 10, unfortunately 10 to probably 15 years, then we're probably going to see a lot more involvement with business getting involved in saying, we need to do this because right now there's a pushback against the government rolling a lot of this out because we have some of the bigger companies Verizon Comcast that are saying oh well uh, let's let's hold off and let's let's offer really really limited programs sort of like what they mentioned in the article where you know you can only get the assistance if the residence hasn't had internet access for several months that seems like a pretty crazy idea that it's not necessarily even about who's living there
0: yeah, and I, I'm pretty sure in this area, if I remember correctly, and I'm, I don't want to be on record officially saying this, but I think the Internet access thing in, in our county has to – if you've had Internet before, even if you no longer do, you can't get it in the same name or at the same residence for that deal. So it's there's a lot of little loopholes in there that just kind of shut access out for people. And I think it's an interesting point that you bring up about mobile and how it works in the workforce because I'm wondering at some point – is that going to change to where tools and work tools are more mobile and then those people will be in there? Or is that going to be something that they're left behind on as well? So we'll have to wait and see how that bears itself out.
1: Well, can I interject one thing? I know that You we- may, of course. Okay. I worked in an office where we had a lot of people who have only had Internet access on their mobile devices. And then coming into an office and using a computer, they had a whole different style. Um, for how they surf the internet, how they reacted and, you know, using shorthand for everything. If you've only worked on a mobile device and you've only ever written SMS, you know, text messages or your emails from a mobile device, you have a very different diction, a very different point of view that you're trying to communicate from. Um, it, it's it's already out there. I, th- I think it's probably just going to end up getting worse and worse. I, I, I really think that, we as a society and as business leaders need to start pushing people and businesses to start giving better rates um when it comes to online access and in some cases shelling out the money to bring bring the access and put in the infrastructure
0: yeah and i and i think where i was coming from with that is just saying If it continues to go this way, you know, maybe it's going to have to be the other way around where the businesses are going to have to adapt to a more mobile infrastructure and and that type of work. I'm not saying that sounds like a fun environment for us, but a lot of times that's not necessarily our our best interest, but how we grew up and what we're used to using is what happens. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Our next story, Matt, eSchool News explains how your infrastructure should look before your next tech rollout. So before you bring out the next new thing you're doing with tech, you should have your infrastructure set up, and they've they've listed some pretty basic things that you should look at before you roll out tech. And I think they, you know, list some things that they think are, are sort of necessary so that you can really reap the benefits of an EdTech rollout. It includes things like a solid well-designed network, a fast and stable wireless network on campus. A fast internet connection, a robust LMS, a learning management system, reliable and suitable devices, and a friendly, supportive, and efficient IT department. Now, some of this feels like to me like you know, oh yeah, of course. If we had enough money to do all this stuff, we'd have the best of all that. Um, but I think it is a good list to just take a look at whether it's annually or another way. If you are you know um, either the head of a district or a school and working with IT just to sort of see, hey, can we improve a little bit in some of these ways? Um, The thing that jumped out to me the most, Matt, was this friendly, supportive, and efficient IT department. I kind of think it's funny, but then I also think like, hey, you know, this is the thing that you could work on without a whole lot of money. You know what I mean? This is something that you could help build out without necessarily you know, spending millions of dollars for this new sort of physical infrastructure. This could be more of a policies to sort of, have that support be a little bit more efficient, maybe. I don't know.
1: No, I I agree with you. Although I will say that number six makes me think that the writer at one time called an IT person in her school or his or her school and then asked for help and it turned out the computer wasn't plugged in.
0: Um, (laughs) Yeah,
1: Like it it really does read like that. But I I think that a lot of these points are spot on. I mean, you know, you you could go a little bit further with the IT people and say that you expect – all of that dedication to education and learning across the whole, across the board, and I think you'd be absolutely correct. Um, but it did make me think of something funny. You know, I used to work on cars. If a car is reliable and cheap, it isn't fast. If a car is cheap and fast, it isn't reliable. And if a car is fast and reliable, it isn't cheap. So I, I think there's a lot to sort of glean from this list. Um but it's always good to strive for the stars.
0: That's the, that's the Is that the, the old car salesman in you coming out? Is that how you scored? This is when yeah. I used to modify cars. It sounds like that's how you'd score the big sale. Listen, if it's fast and reliable, it's going to cost money. Yeah. You but your, really your point is... Demographic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> your point is well taken, though. Um, it's hard to make all of those things work, especially when budgets are a problem. Um, and I agree with you on the uh, IT department thing. And it does seem like somebody just, you know, a lot of times communication between people who aren't very well versed with uh, electronics in general, and then those people in the IT department, the communication is not always good. There's sort of a, um, you know, I, I feel like when I, the district I worked for, I really felt like there was sort of disdain between the IT department and the educational technology department, and it just didn't seem to work well together. So I think probably that statement number six comes probably through some <laughs> yeah. frustrations, you know, because yeah, it's, no, it's really sort of almost tongue in cheek, a friendly, supportive, and efficient IT department. I mean, it almost seems like like that's ever going to happen, you know. Oh, like well,
1: I'll be honest with you, I mean, IT people, I mean, including myself, we are gruff, gruff individuals, and <laughs> yes, you uh, are yes, um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, it's I don't know. It, it's really difficult because. You know, in another part of this article, she talks about, oh, well, you know, I don't think the IT people should be the ones that dictate the type of programs that are being used. And I think that 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 might actually also feed into why number six is kind of important. You know, I think everybody's opinion, you know, I don't think everybody should be weighted exactly the same. But in, in a working environment, if everybody's able to talk and feel as though that they can have a conversation freely and not be disparaged because of it. You're going to end up with happier IT people, just like you're going to end up with happier teachers when you say, hey, guys, I just got 10,000 iPads and I'm going to deploy them. I know you've never used one, but we're going to put all your curriculum on it. I mean, it's going to overwhelm people. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, I think what you the heart of what you're saying there is that communication and conversation. That has to be there. Maybe this is a list that, that will get that communication and the conversation going in your school or in your district. So take a look at that when you get a chance. I didn't say Our,
1: Don't Don't put words in my mouth.
0: It, that's how it felt to me. All right, Matt. Our final story. EdTech Magazine gives us a look at what you should try to see or what you should hope to find in your K to twelve technology leadership. I would go ahead and say, you know, let's just make this education leadership or you know EdTech leadership in general. Let's just not limit it to K through twelve. But this is sort of the, the slant on their article. Um, it highlights some good questions to ask when rolling out new EdTech initiatives. I think like. One of them, for instance, I really thought was good, like, how will it positively impact learning outcomes or productivity? So before you roll this out or when you're rolling this out, this is a question that you should ask. And if you don't like the answer to this, then you might not want to be rolling out this initiative. I mean, this is a pretty important question in terms of education in general. Um, you know, you might want to look at that, and it might want to be a really good, well-thought-out answer there. Otherwise, maybe reconsider or start back over at the beginning with this. Um, It references also an EdTech magazine article from before, nice self-advertising, but it's called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective EdTech Leaders. It's got a little infographic that you should maybe check out, but I kind of found that to be a little hokey, Matt. Um, It seemed like it was like these here's you know these great things that everyone should have and it's sort of i don't know it seemed like lip service to me and maybe i'm just cynical but it just felt it had that feel to it but I'm not saying you should not check it out you should but just you know maybe be a little wary when you look at it there were two main points of this little short article and They focused on training for one and all and then setting up a good support system. And I think that sort of echoes our last story and what you were talking about with conversation and and getting that support system set up to where you're not just putting teachers out on an island with this technology or this new initiative. Um, To me, this is where we really need to be getting what I was advocating for, um, which are ed tech coaches and they need to be in schools and they need to be visible and they need to be actively in classrooms, co-teaching with 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 teachers and helping them with ed tech pedagogy, um, helping them utilize these tools as effectively as they possibly can. I mean, if you come at it from that perspective where you were talking about before, where you're not just throwing people under, there's training, you know, they're ready for this and they have support, most importantly, they have support once school gets going. And I think that's really where, you know, if you're in a district and you have the ability to make a change and try to get some ed tech coaches in there the same way that people have math coaches or reading coaches um, that sort of help coordinate with that department. That's, that's what should be happening in my opinion. And I know that's, I'll get off my soapbox now, but um, you think there's any care area based on this article or those seven habits, Matt, that, you know, leaders should have or anything that interested you in particular?
1: Yeah. Number seven, because I really like pinching myself. Um, I kind of agree with you. The infographics a little hokey, but I think that the kernel of it actually stands pretty true. Um, But I think you could probably say that about just about anything. There are seven good habits that you could use for anything. If they only had three more, we could have a BuzzFeed article.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um. like number four, they share, share, and then share some more. I mean, it's like, okay. I mean, I get it. You're making a point here, but it's just, it's, you know, it's not necessarily something that I would, I would show to a teacher and expect them to go, oh, yes, this is awesome. You know, they're gonna, oh, Some people I, are going to go, why am I looking at this? It's really silly. So they look but at again, it
1: and then all of a sudden stare right through you and say, I can see the teaching matrix now.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. They have Neil right there helping them with, yeah. the, with the teaching, and they're so much better at it. But at the end of the day, I think most of those traits and, and most of these things are things that, again, like we've talked about numerous times on this show, if you think about it logically, you go, yeah, no, duh, that's how it should be. But yet, that's not how it is. So you know, we have to have those conversations, and we have to make sure that these types of things are being talked about. Especially, you know, if you're somebody who hires an ed tech leader of 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 sorts, either at the district or at your school, uh, you know, you need to be looking for some of these qualities, and also, you know, make sure that they understand that training and um you know support is the strongest thing that they offer or that they you know set up a system that offers that because i feel like in general these stories that we read of failures i mean this is where it starts it all starts with what are the leaders who are rolling this stuff out what kind of questions are they asking what kind of things are they doing and i think that's where if you focus on that you can maybe stem some of those problems
1: Yeah, I would love to find out if the person that's buying everything is reading The Art of the Deal and all the money is just going towards procuring said product and no one's ever thought about doing anything else because a lot of these stories read like that. And it's nice to see these last two stories kind of talk about it, you know, as, you know, has been mentioned before with children, it takes a village to raise them so that they're, you know, good members of society. It takes your whole school district to make decisions especially ones that are this big doesn't mean that someone can't sit from the ivory tower and make certain decrees about things but on a day-to-day basis there needs to be more communication especially with technology
0: well said, Matthew. Well said. All right, Matt. Well, that's the end of the show for today. Um, we've started doing just one featured thing. I started it last week when you weren't there, so you couldn't tell me it was a bad idea or a good idea. But we're just going to do one featured way at the end of the show so we don't bombard people with all those ways to interact with the show. And for this week, we're going to say, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at 4TechTeachers. That's the number 4TechTeachers. Tech teachers. Um, I've been back on the Twitters, Matt. I've been posting articles and links and I'm telling you I'm active again and I I said I was going to and I am so give me a follow um, and you'll get some of those stories plus other stories that I find interesting but just don't make the show so go ahead and look to follow us on Twitter if you want to and Matt you're back and you know the people they missed you last week they wanted your words of wisdom they wanted something to take home for the week going into the end of the week some excitement, some energy. What do you have for the people, Matt?
1: I just hope that these Twitters enjoy their hash browns.
0: Oh, boy. You, you went that way, huh?
1: Well, hashtagging is so blasé. <laughs> All
0: right, Matt. Well, I appreciate you joining me on the show once again, and we'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly. Booty, boop, booty, boop 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 boop